So we talked about the supersites and how they can overgrow. Actually, your supersites are reactive to adrenal precursors. So those, mm. those stress hormones within our body and they can make testosterone locally in our skin. So even though we might not have high testosterone levels within our blood, we can have higher testosterone levels in our skin that are causing us to break out. So taking care of my well-being as well. Um so the whole the whole holistic picture. <laughs> Literally everything. So you're you're basically looking at acne from like a functional medicine perspective. Exactly. Yes. Uh, inside out and outside in. There's not really a way to heal from acne without looking at both of those factors. Hi, and welcome to the Endo Babe podcast. I'm your host, Chelsea Bree. I'm an ultrasound tech turned endometriosis coach, positivity and self-love advocate, a seven on the Enneagram, and I am a proud dog mom. And I'm on a mission to help you live more positively with endometriosis and be happy in your body. On the Endo Babe podcast, we're going to dive deep into all things endometriosis, mindset, self-love, health, and so much more. This is a badass podcast for badass endo babes and I want you to leave this podcast feeling inspired and empowered on your own health journey with more confidence and the belief that you too can have more good days than bad are you with me babes see you in the podcast hello and welcome to another episode of the endo babe podcast in this episode I chatted with Cheryl Woodman who's a scientist and an award-winning skincare formulator and acne expert and creator of honesty for your skin it was such a fun conversation. Cheryl is a wealth of knowledge about the science behind acne, why some conventional acne treatments may or may not work. We dove into different um, treatments for acne from lifestyle to diet factors and touched on the science of acne and then also talked about some natural and conventional treatments for oil balance and what to be aware of because some aren't helpful for hormonal acne per se. It was a wonderful conversation. I know you guys are going to love Cheryl. If this episode hits home or you are struggling with acne and you're wanting help from a more holistic perspective, her links are in the show notes. See you in the episode. Welcome, Cheryl. I'm so excited that you're here. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. So I usually start by having you tell everybody who you are and how you got into doing what you're doing now. Yeah, for sure. So I'm a scientist and I'm specialized in the area of skincare and more specifically in acne. I'm also a skincare formulator, which gives me a really unique perspective because not only am I exposed to the newest research within the fields of skincare and acne, but I also know what that crazy looking ingredients label on the back of a skincare product means. So just like if you were to go down the food aisle and for example, you wanted to avoid foods that had processed seed oils or artificial sweeteners in them, you know what to look for because it's in English or human language. <laughs> Whereas on a skincare bottle, it's it's called inky is the language that 
the ingredients list is written in and that's the same wherever you are in the world and it it is helpful because I'm a skincare formulator I know what it means but if you're kind of not trained in skincare formulation then it's really hard to understand what those ingredients are what they do for your skin um but I know what they do I know which ones um can maybe clog pores which ones can help with acne which ones help to exfoliate your skin what to avoid what you want to be using um and it's commonly kind of misperceived that actually that's what a dermatologist does, but mostly dermatologists look at what medications are able to treat a set of skin concerns. Um, and they're not necessarily necessarily trained in skincare formulations. So they don't necessarily know what all the different ingredients within a skincare product can do for skin. And I do what I do, um, helping women to heal from acne because of my own experiences with acne in the past. I really struggled with my skin in my early 20s and I'd never experienced acne or breakouts before then as a teenager. So it kind of sprung me out of nowhere. Um, And the first few years, my early 20s, it didn't bother me too much. Um, My spots weren't weren't very inflamed and I kind of was using traditional acne face washes, salicylic acid face pads, and it seemed to at least dry out spots more quickly. And um, therefore my skin would, would not have too many active breakouts at any one time. But I started ending up in the cycle of oily, dry, dehydrated skin because of the products I was using. And then after a few more years, I started getting these really deep rooted cystic breakouts along my jawline that just felt like Mount Vesuvius living on my chin. I was so aware of them all the time. They were painful, red, inflamed, and one was barely healing before two more were popping up. And I just became so self-conscious in my skin. I was in a corporate career job at the time I remember being sat in meetings just feeling like all anybody could see of me was my skin and nobody would take me seriously because I had these huge breakouts in my jawline um and I kind of realized how much it was impacting how I was feeling emotionally which is when I decided that I was going to seek help so I went and saw a pharmacist And I was so worried. It was a pharmacy near where I worked. So I was so worried anybody from work was going to bump into me. I just felt really embarrassed for caring this much about my skin, which I know now you shouldn't feel embarrassed as an indicator of inside health. Anyway, I built the guts up to go and see this pharmacist. And I remember his words to me as clear as day. He said, there's nothing that can be done. You're just going to have to accept and live with it. And that just sent a wave of panic through my body um, because I was looking for help and being told that there was none. And I pushed him a bit further and he ended up handing me this bottle of face wash, but said, be careful, it can bleach your skin. And I was so embarrassed. I just purchased that bottle and I put it in the back of my bathroom cabinet, never used it because I was so fearful of what it might do. I didn't want to bleach my skin, but I did decide at that point, I was like, I'm a scientist acne must be happening to me for a reason. I just have to find what that reason is and reverse the causes for it. And over the next year or so, that's what I did. I specialized in skincare, delved into the scientific literature and with educated changes to my skincare diet and lifestyle, I cleared my skin of acne. And that's what I help other women to do now to hopefully never feel like I did in that moment with the pharmacist. My God, what a beautiful story. Oh, thank you. And I know like 
myself included, I'm sure a lot of people listening right now can see them, like their stories woven into yours almost. Because especially with endometriosis, a lot of us go to doctors or conventional medicine doctors to try to get help for pelvic pain. And they're like, ah, there's nothing really I can do. Your scans are normal. You're fine. Mm, and it's so yeah. the language that's used as well it like is. it's so so impactful in that moment mm-hmm. um beautiful amazing so you said that acne is or you healed your acne with like lifestyle diet and what did that look like for you yeah so for me in terms of the changes I made first of all from a kind of outside in point of view, so a skincare point of view, what I was actually using, those traditional anti-acne skincare products, they're what I now call blitzit skincare products where they'll get you some short-term results. And then these products will often leave people or have clients come to me and say that this skincare worked for me in the beginning for a few months, but then my acne has come back almost even worse than it was before. And that's a key alert to me that I've been using a product that is a blitzed skincare product, um, which can get rid of acne and breakouts by working against your skin biology. So short term, that's okay because your skin's health may be able to reverse some of the damage those products can cause but the longer you use them for it gradually wears away at your skin health and then that's when you can get acne worsening so a really common example of that is actually the product that pharmacist gave me (laughs) so at the time I didn't know what the active was in it but it was a benzoyl peroxide face wash and benzoyl peroxide is quite aggressive to your skin, especially if it's in a higher concentration, it tends to dry skin out and do things like, for example, increasing the pH level of your skin. Um, So your skin has this pH level, which is slightly acidic. So tap water is actually more towards neutral or actually sometimes alkaline, whereas our skin, when it's healthy, usually has a pH somewhere around 4.7. And that pH level helps to keep your skin resisting of acne. So it's kind of contradictory, these products like benzoyl peroxide, which can raise the pH of your skin. They they cause this dryness and raised pH level, which actually encourages acne bacteria to thrive on your skin. Um, So for me, getting my skincare routine to not necessarily blitz acne (laughs) that I was experiencing, but supporting my skin's natural biology so that it can resist acne naturally. That was a big key for me, as was looking at those internal factors, especially diet, because diet and the foods that we eat, especially in a traditional Western style of eating, can be very stimulatory of your skin's what are called sebocytes, so your skin's sebum-making glands. Sebum is just the oil that our skin makes, just a scientific word for skin oil. And um, foods can cause these sebocytes to overgrow and proliferate. So basically they're birthing new ones in your skin, which ultimately leads to more oiliness inside your pores. And actually people who experience acne usually have about 59% more sebum production than somebody who isn't. Um, So looking at those 
triggers from a diet perspective that were hyperstimulating my sebum glands. I used to just feel like an absolute oil slip. <laughs> that meet those meetings I'd be sat in at work just felt like I would have oil dripping. It wasn't dripping, but it felt like it was dripping down my face. It was definitely like I was trying to use makeup to cover up my acne and it was definitely sweating out that makeup. So you see that on top of your skin. Um, so yeah, looking at looking at skincare factors, looking at diet factors and also lifestyle factors as well, that well-being and stress part of the equation. I really hate that word stress because I find the word stress even stressful in itself. <laughs> It is, isn't it? It just brings all those emotions. Um, looking at the well-being side of it, because even so, we talked about the sebacites and how they can overgrow. Actually, your sebacites are reactive to adrenal precursors, so those mm. those stress hormones within our body, and they can make testosterone locally in our skin. So even though we might not have high testosterone levels within our blood, we can have higher testosterone levels in our skin that are causing us to break out. So taking care of my well-being as well. Um so the whole the whole holistic picture <laughs> literally everything so you're you're basically looking at acne from like a functional medicine perspective exactly yes uh, inside out and outside in there's not really a way to heal from acne without looking at both of those factors what are some of the big food like triggers that are really common for people that like trigger acne yeah Yes. So a big one is looking to keep your blood sugar levels really stable. And why that is important is because when our blood sugar levels are dysregulated, so say they might look like the world's tallest roller coaster, <laughs> you're getting those peaks and those troughs. When our blood sugar is in that condition, our body releases a hormone called insulin to mop up all that blood sugar from our bloodstream because it's quite dangerous when it's left in our bloodstream. And this hormone called insulin usually comes partnered with another hormone called insulin-like growth factor. Um, so insulin itself will talk to your ovaries and tell your ovaries to make more androgens and androgens cause your sebacites to overgrow. And then IGF-1 is a growth factor and it can cause overgrowth of, uh, for, you, for example, your skin cells. So part of the acne cycle is a condition called hyperkeratosis, which you can essentially think about as a thickening of your skin cells inside your pores. If you've ever got calluses on your hands, that type of skin thickening, and it causes your pores to become prone to clogging which is where you can start to suffer with breakouts. So those hormones can be pacified. I don't know if that's the right word. They can be calmed or reduced <laughs> by looking at a diet to keep your blood sugar levels really stable. And that isn't necessarily eating a, in air quotes, healthy diet, because some health air quotes, health foods <laughs> can actually cause blood sugar swings um, in themselves. So dried fruit being an example of that. Yeah. Is that just because they're higher in sugar? Yeah, exactly. So even though it's natural sugars, sugar 
is sugar in terms of how your bloodstream deals with it. Um, any food that is either broken down into sugar really quickly or contains a large amount of sugar without a balancing amount of fat and protein mm. is going to cause us blood sugar spikes. Interesting. So if you're eating like a big bowl of fruit, then pair it with like cheese or something. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Cheese is a, is an interesting one when it comes to acne actually. Um, because cheese as a dairy product, um, can have, if you think about dairy products, when kind of 50 to hundred years ago, humans didn't really eat dairy after we were babies or toddlers when we had our mum's milk and the availability of dairy wasn't huge. Now that dairy's become very commercialized, we have this kind of free access to it in all forms. And dairy is uh, it's stimulatory of insulin hormones and growth hormones in our body and that makes a lot of sense if you start to think of actually when animals produce dairy it's to feed their young and the same for humans when we produce dairy it's to feed children (laughs) Um, and if you think about that growth cycle for animals and babies it's really quick and this milk dairy is the perfect food to fuel that growth and it's helpful when it's used at the right time in our development but when we're you know 20s 30s 40s those types of foods can start to cause problems now cheese isn't an issue for everybody who experiences acne but for some people it can be for those sets of reasons interesting is and just because it spikes that the growth hormone, there's growth. Yeah, exactly. It's having that hormonal impact on your body. So it's actually called, we talked about the hormone insulin before. Mm-hmm. It's actually, uh, dairy is an insulinotropic food, which means that even though it doesn't cause a blood sugar spike, which is when your body would usually release insulin hormones, it still causes the spike in insulin hormones. And you said the spike in insulin hormones causes an androgen spike. Yeah, exactly. So people that don't know, can you explain what androgens are? Yeah, for sure. So androgens are a set of hormones which are most commonly linked to male traits within our bodies and our skin. But both men and women have androgens and they're really helpful when they're at the right levels. So when it comes to skin health, androgens are associated with making skin oily. So if you have an oily skin type or unbalanced skin sebum, then androgens are quite often a cause of that. Our skin actually contains an enzyme um, which is called 5-alpha reductase. Sounds very fancy, (laughs) all these science names, but it's simply... um, if you do you remember the look and key analogy from school biology? Um, yes, I think so. Yeah, so these enzymes are are like so if you think of the door mm-hmm. and the key to that door, 
when only a certain key will fit into the door. So your enzymes are like a door having a certain lock in them and only certain hormones or chemicals in your body will fit into that lock. So this enzyme in our skin, 5-alpha reductase, it basically fits testosterone into its lock. And when this happens, it turns testosterone into a much more potent androgen called DHT, dihydrotestosterone. And that's about five to 10 times more potent. So that can have an extra, extra effect on your sebum production and therefore the severity of breakouts. So these androgens can be pesky beings for acne prone skin. Yeah, definitely. That's interesting. Mm, yeah, yeah, it is. And there's a lot of, um, for example, skincare ingredients that, as well as regulating those androgens internally through diet and lifestyle factors, mm-hmm. skincare products can help to, for example, get in the way of that enzyme, almost like going back to high school. Do you remember all the chewing gum that used to be underneath tables? Oh my God, yes. Oh, <laughs> and, and if you sat in it too close, you put your leg up to the table and then you get it on your jeans or your trousers. <laughs> Um, but it's kind of a nice way to think about certain things can get in the way of enzymes. So if you imagine a bit of chewing gum being kind of stuck in the lock of the enzyme door. So certain skin characters can do that, which means that we can help to reduce the amount of or the potency of androgens within skin, which helps to regulate sebum production which is really, really important. It's important that we want to regulate it and not dry your skin out. Drying your skin out is that illicit way of healing from acne, which is only going to have a short-term benefit. Whereas balancing that oil production and regulating it is really, really important. So just like an easy way to think about your skin oil is if you think about the different oils in your kitchen, So you've got olive oil or coconut oil. They look really different. And that's because it's not just, you know, olive oil. It doesn't just have olive oil oils. It has a certain mixture of oils to make it olive oil. And the same with coconut oil and the same with our skin oil. So we call it sebum, but it has lots of different types of oils in it. And sometimes, um, or most commonly in acne, that sebum is imbalanced, meaning that we're making more oils, which are stickier and heavier and more clogging of our pores, and also create the perfect environment for acne bacteria Mm. to thrive inside ours. So using skincare appropriately to regulate and balance that oil production is really important. What are some natural versus like conventional treatments for that yeah so I really from a natural point of view I really like green tea because it's a potent antioxidant and it also has this ability to inhibit that enzyme with the fancy name so the five alpha reductase so it can help to regulate your skin's sebum production without drying it out um, and just removing all of that oil from your skin, which is really important. Some other, it's not always as clear cut with skincare in terms of natural actives always being better than man-made or I like to call woman-made active ingredients. (laughs) 
Um, because for example, some natural products can actually be quite drying to skin um, and quite stripping of the skin barrier. So that's more taking off extra oil rather than regulating it. Um, natural soaps, for example, can be very aggressive to the skin mm. barrier. So natural soaps tend to have a very high pH level. They're quite alkaline and they can be as alkaline as a pH 9 to 12. Wow. Yeah. And if you put that in context of your skin's ideal healthy pH being 4.7 and the scale of pH goes from 0 to 14, that's a big difference. And studies actually show us that the more times you wash your face, the longer it takes for your skin to reacidify itself. So where we wash our faces twice a day and then your skin might take a few hours to reacidify. But if your skin health is reducing, then it's going to take longer the next time. And that's when you can really deplete your skin barrier. So you might be tackling one part of the acne equation but because you're reducing your skin barrier health then you're fueling the acne equation from another side so how many times would you recommend washing your face then oh, I'm so Never. glad you asked me that <laughs> <laughs> this is one of my favorite pieces of advice actually um for me overwashing your skin is more than once a day so and I would recommend that one washing is in the evening so that you're removing any pollution particles, dust, environmental allergens from your skin before going to sleep. And we're very much trained in a Western society of hygiene, especially with what we've just been through with the COVID pandemic and washing and being clean and sanitary. And it does have its place, but it tends to be something we do in excess in a western culture and actually our our skin especially isn't designed to be treated in that way our skin just like our gut has a microbiome which is essentially a bacteria planet so <laughs> we think we're humans we're actually bacteria planets and imagine if you were sanitizing your gut every day the impact that would have on your health would be huge and your skin is the same. Your skin needs this healthy balance of bacteria. They do so much good for our skin. Everything from keeping it hydrated to helping it to make ceramides to resisting aging. They're, they're there for a reason. <laughs> and overwashing our face can really disrupt that balance of bacteria, which is when we start to see skin concerns cropping up. If you have any kind of skin concern, there's usually a dysregulation in your skin's microbiome. So once a day, face washing. <laughs> is that the same for body washing too, then like skin on your face and body? Yeah. Well, ultimately, um, washing your body skin less than once a day would be ideal. The reason why I say washing your face once a day is because for most people, um, your skin is exposed during the day. If you've been outside to pollution more so than the rest of your body, where we tend to be more covered, especially in the winter, maybe not after the heat wave we've just been through this summer. <laughs> um, so it's, it's fairly good to wash your face once a day, but if you were at home and you'd not really been exposed to the outside environment, much pollution, much pollen, much dust and things like that, then you could get away with washing your face less frequently than once a day. And the same would apply from, for your body skin. Um, so washing your face less than 
once every day, washing washing your body skin less than once every day would, would actually be ideal. Oh my God. Everybody who's listening to this, that hates showering is like jumping with joy right now. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know, I've just had to go through a period of not showering for a five days because I had a little I had a little uh, mole removed preventatively actually I had a bandage on it and uh and the nurse was like no showering for five days and I was like I feel like anybody else you would tell that would be like oh my goodness what am I gonna have to do and I was like oh yeah this is this is gonna be good for my skin microbiome (laughs) (laughs) it's a nice little mindset shift there (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's so funny because I remember I didn't really have bad acne until like my mid twenties, but Mm. I remember being like 18 and I used to like never wash my face and all my friends Mm. were like, why is your skin so good? You never wash your face. Yeah. And and that's probably why. (laughs) And then I didn't, (laughs) I didn't get like, I got like bad, the cystic, like what you were saying, like hormonal acne when I came off of birth control. Mm, and like my yeah. mid twenties. Um, yeah. and like you said, like huge, huge, like they feel like volcanoes underneath your skin and they're so painful yeah. and so hot and, and so hot just, and just like, you, oh, and that's and all that, you can that like feeling, think about, isn't it? <laughs> isn't it? And when you, I think the worst thing is as well, when you touch them with your fingers, your fingers make everything feel 10 times bigger than when you actually look in that mirror and, oh, goodness yeah it was it's just and just not having that control over them either and knowing once you've got the big inflamed cystic ones they can take a while to heal especially if you're still pushing those acne triggers internally and that those inflammation levels are higher which lead into yeah propagating the cystic breakouts longer for sure is that um like a common thing that happens when people come off of birth control yeah it absolutely the trouble with birth control is it hijacks your hormones it's like putting autopilot into your body and so your body um kind of switches off its natural hormone production and therefore you're not getting that feedback every month of where your body's at and it means you can be really pushing acne triggers while you're on birth control that you might not be realizing until then you come off of birth control um and not only is your body scrambling to start making its own hormones um but also you get this you can get kind of rebound androgen dominance because birth control tends to be quite a potent form of estrogen and estrogen is a sebum suppressive hormone which means it turns down our skin's oil production and so when you come off of that very potent sebum suppression, then our androgen hormones become relatively more dominant and louder in our body. And then all of a sudden our sebum glands, it's like they're being shouted at, <laughs> like turn up your oil production now. And this starts to fuel that cycle. The reason why oils are so problematic for breakouts is when our pores are full of oil and thicker oils, it lowers the oxygen in the environment of the pore, lowers our oxygen levels in the pore. And 
acne bacteria thrive in low oxygen environments. So you're basically making your pores a really comfortable couch for acne bacteria and they just love it. So they're inviting all their friends over and they're having popcorn and watching films, (laughs) having a Netflix binge and uh, pushing out all the other types of bacteria that would help to prevent them from overgrowing. Uh, So yeah, it's very common when discontinuing birth control to see these symptoms in your skin because of that rebound androgen effect, but also because being on the pill covers up the effect of diet and lifestyle on your skin. Totally. And I know birth control also kind of messes with the gut hormone health. Yes. Yes, it does. So it's... uh, yeah, it's it's one of those those things when you're younger. You think, oh, yeah, birth control, no more, no more spots, no more breakouts, no more period cramps, and you're not really educated about what birth control does to your body. Mm-hmm. And many people aren't even aware until you might start to have extra symptoms that cause you to look at your body health in a different way. But even you're not having a normal period anymore. It's it's not a period you would normally have one. It's the withdrawal bleed. Um, yeah, it's it's shocking actually. Some of the advertisements for birth control back in the day, 60s, 70s, when birth control first um came out and became popularized. They literally target skin health. It's like, have great skin, take the birth control pill. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that it was marketed in that way uh, back in the day too, which it's, and it's still, if you, especially in the UK, if you were to go to the doctor with acne, it is, and I've myself been offered it in the past for acne. It's one of the go-tos on the traditional kind of Western medicine checklist for helping to in air quotes heal acne but it's not really healing acne it's just covering up the internal causes of it I'm not a fan <laughs> I know me either <laughs> um yeah. it's that's like one of my biggest frustrations with western medicine is like you'll go in with an issue and they're just like you even said it in the beginning like with the dermatologists like they're trained like what kind of medication can I give you to help you with your problem instead of mm-hmm. digging deeper to see like what the root causes or the lifestyle factors or the diet factors there's so much more that goes into health and well-being than just yeah. taking a pill for every ill Exactly, exactly. And uh, I used to actually work in the pharmaceutical industry so I've seen this from both sides and it's interesting. I feel like I've gone through a massive mindset shift with this because when you're taught, not only as a scientist, um, my degree was part funded by the drug industry, but also working within the pharmaceutical industry, it's a mindset of a pill is the answer and the only medical intervention that will work effectively. But, but it's really interesting when you start to in terms of published research that is a lot of published published research to show the impact of natural changes to diet and lifestyle it's just that they don't make the pharmaceutical companies the money right their drug products do because they can be patented yeah yeah i know it's like the same with supplements and diet and lifestyle changes you just hit it on the head they can't be patented yeah money off of them 
Yes. Exactly. Pharmaceutical companies are funding all of these, the research studies and the hospitals and the doctors and like even kind yeah. of, I know there's a drug called Lupron for endometriosis that um, was researched. I'm having air quotes right now in the <laughs> 1980s by Dr. Friedman. And he, all of his like research had to be retracted from the medical journals because he falsified it all. And he said that it was like the best treatment for endometriosis because he got paid off to do that. And the doctors are still using that as a treatment for endometriosis today because of that falsified research. Oh, wow. It's just shocking, isn't it? Yeah. It's just a huge corrupt system. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I think also healthcare in terms of the way we approach treating the symptoms rather than the underlying cause just it's funny as a scientist we look I look back on how we used to treat conditions and you look back and you think oh my goodness that's crazy why did we ever treat something in that way how did we think that was gonna work (laughs) and I'm pretty sure in another 50 years time we'll look back and be like what what were we doing um there's a huge amount of research into microbiome now and the human Um, microbiome project and I definitely see the way this being the way that medicine will be going in future is working to support our skin's microbiome to help uh, resolve health concerns rather than for example antibiotics which wipe out all bacteria good and bad (laughs) all of it yeah all of it just look like the desert (laughs) Um, how can you tell the difference between hormonal acne and acne that's caused by like an oil imbalance? Yeah, that's a really good question. Hormonal acne. Sorry, there's a couple of ways. Hormonal acne, if you're seeing fluctuations with your monthly cycle, that's one of the key indicators that you're experiencing hormonal acne. Um, hormonal fluctuations can happen for example through our diet but where we have as women changes during the month that layers on top of those diet fluctuations which are causing hormonal changes so seeing that shift from from a monthly perspective is a strong indicator when it tends to be more non-hormonal acne it tends to be less inflammatory so seeing, for example, uh, it's more classic of the type of breakouts you might be getting on your forehead area, quite small um, pinpoint breakouts, lots of them, but they're not inflamed in the same way as hormonal acne would be. Hormonal acne also tends to affect the lower third of our faces. So mm. jawline acne, specifically cystic acne is a strong indicator of hormonal acne, as well as acne in the cheek area, the lower cheek area too. Yeah. When I came off birth control, that's where it was like right on my cheeks and on my like jawline. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And oh gosh. Yeah. So what worked for you, you to clear your acne? Um, I started working on like gut health and like eating better and exercising more. 
Yeah, like diet a holistic, holistic picture <laughs> yeah. again yeah. is I'm often asked what's what's the the one thing that's gonna heal my acne and when I work with clients especially if it's the first time they've worked with somebody you're often I myself the same in the past you're looking for that quick fix and wanting to know what the answer is what can I do to get rid of these breakouts that I've got right now that's all I want to happen just to get rid of these cystic acne breakouts on my chin and while there are some changes which are going to be much more impactful for certain people, it's definitely a whole picture. There's lots of lots of triggers that can be being pressed. And that's the same for healing is that we need to take the accelerator pedal, the gas pedal off of all those different triggers. So there's often lots of different changes that help to heal acne. Yeah, amazing. I feel like I use something called a noble bar. Is that, have you okay. heard of that? You know what no. that is? I might be making that, that up. You... <laughs> <laughs> like it's, it... it's been a while. <laughs> yeah. The way that you just moved your hands, mate, is making me thinking it's a, it's a, a, a soap type bar. Yeah. Or... It was like a bar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 I'll have to come back to that. I don't, I don't remember off the top of my head. Ignore me. <laughs> <laughs> um anyways where can people find you like how can they work with you if they're like holy crap I need help with my acne how can you work with Cheryl my website is honestyforyourskin.co.uk and I have a online course called acne warrior which talks people through how to heal their skin through skincare diet and lifestyle factors. I also work with people one-to-one in my acne clinic and you can find the links to those services. If you go on my website and there's an option called get skin help. And if you choose the option, which is I have acne, then you will find acne warrior and my acne clinic from there. I'm also on Instagram at honesty for skin. Beautiful. And I'll put all of those um, links in the show notes for anybody listening. Is there anything that you want to leave the audience with? Any last thoughts? Any? I would say, I know when I was experiencing acne, I felt like it was never going to end. So <laughs> to leave anybody listening with the thought that your skin has been clear before, it absolutely can be clear again. And that also, I remember how acne made me feel about myself, but that if you have acne right now, you are still beautiful with that acne, beautiful without acne, beautiful with acne. It doesn't impact your beauty. Mm, I love that. Thank you, Cheryl. Thank you for having me. Of course, this was such a fun conversation. Thank you for coming on. Thank you. I've loved it. Oh, babe, thank you so much for taking the time to listen today. I had so much fun and I'm so fucking grateful for every single one of you. If you thought that this was helpful or you loved any part of this podcast, I would love, love, love for you to screenshot it and post it on Instagram at Chelsea Bree, C-H-E-L-S-E-A-A-B-R-I and take me. I would love to see what you're getting out of the episodes. It makes me so happy. I would also love it if you'd subscribe to the podcast and leave a review because that just helps other wonderful endo babes find me as well. I adore you and I believe that you don't deserve to feel like shit. You deserve to have a normal life despite endometriosis. So I love you so much and I hope you have a wonderful day and I'll catch you on next week's episode of the Endo Babe Podcast.